0: for one million dollars of coverage some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams so save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using policy genius head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save that's policygenius.com policy genius because there will be a world without us
1: Dear Hank and John Of course I prefer
0: to think of it, Dear John and Hank
1: It's a comedy podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon John, did you know that Neil Diamond was actually, until Sweet Caroline came out, called Neil Cole? Why did he change his name to Neil Diamond, Hank? After that song it was so big, I think the pressure really got to him
0: It's funny because I I don't know of anyone who the pressure got to less than Neil Diamond.
1: He seems to be doing okay. It's
0: not like he retired from public life after the success of Sweet Caroline, like J D. Salinger, like he just couldn't
1: bear it. You know, it's too much. <laughs> yeah. He seems. He seems like he's doing okay. Uh, yeah, he's just cranking out hits. I mean, I feel like the guys.
0: That guy is just an absolute hit factory. I haven't potted with you in so long that I'd forgotten that we had this opening bit where you tell a dumb joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time. I've I've missed I've missed making the podcast with you. Not least because it's really the only time we talk during the week these days because we're both so busy doing various weird things, many of which I'm contractually obligated not to speak about.
1: Yeah, or like I'm working on a thing that we were just talking about that I'm very excited about. That I, it's not like there's a contract. I just don't want to tell people because of how cool it is, and then they'll be like, "Oh, it is." If if it doesn't happen,
0: it's one of those things because it might not
1: happen. You never
0: know if it's like if everyone else is going to be as excited about your new YouTube channel idea as you are, but. I have to say Hank has a lot of YouTube channel ideas and this is by far the best one because right now all I want to do, all I want in the whole world is I want to watch nature at an extremely small scale doing the things that it does with voiceover commentary from a calm, normal person. That's the mm-hmm. only thing I want out of the universe. I want to spend the rest of my life doing that. That is my infinite jest. I just want to be in a in a calm, quiet room with someone explaining the secrets of the the
1: microscopic universe to me. Okay, well, that's basically the idea. It's a it. They, you know. That's basically it. Now you guys know. I hope that
0: it works out. All right, this first question comes from Sam, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I share a kitchen with six other graduate students, none of whom I'm particularly close with, but I do oh. have a nice relationship with all of them. A week or so ago, someone, I don't know who, bought a half gallon of milk, but no one's opened the milk since it was put into our fridge, and it expires tomorrow, and I ran out of milk this morning, <laughs> and I would really like to eat some cereal. Can I open yeah. the unopened half gallon of milk? It's a lot of milk, and it won't all be consumed before it goes bad. And I don't
1: know who bought it, so I can't ask them. Please help me, Green Eggs and Sam. Well, first of all, John's going to tell you to put water on your cereal. I and am. you can go ahead and ignore that. Sam, uh, Sam, <laughs> Sam, Sam, <laughs> Sam, listen to me for a second.
0: You can cover your cereal with stuff that literally came out of a cow, or you can co- cover your cereal with good, clean, nutritious tap water water that has kept us going as a species for two hundred fifty thousand years sam water on cereal is the answer to your question
1: i don't so but sam let's live in a hypothetical universe where you think this is a disgusting idea i'm I, not saying I, it, it is. is so weird I'm just to be people think this it's is gross. the hypothetical like, would be gross? that i'm just wet. exploring it's right now the same thing it's just wetting the cereal I've still not tried it maybe I did I think I did when like early in the podcast when this thing first came up I tried it and I didn't like it and I don't but like let's just explore the hypothetical John is it okay to open an unopened gallon of milk for any purpose whether it's for cereal or for baking some brownies if it's about to expire you no one's opened it it's been there for a while and you like somebody needs to rescue this milk I think yes.
0: I think that you need to get closer with your six other graduate student buddies so that you don't have this issue.
1: Yeah, you should have a, sh- like a group chat.
0: Have a group chat. Or or oh, let me throw this out there, Hank. Try interacting in
1: this space called the kitchen. Have a group chat. They're not all there at the same time. They're very busy graduate students. Some of them are witting on their spectrometers. Others of them are witting on their philosophy professors. There's just a great deal of like of different uh, lifestyles in this one home with six six other graduate this is seven graduate students sharing one kitchen I cannot I, I had a five person roommate situation once and one kitchen for five people and I can tell you that mistakes were made <laughs> yeah and I don't Ditto. think it's like I don't think this is a linear thing I think adding another person like exponentially makes it worse so I, like five I completely agree like like six is ten times worse than five what I would do in real life is
0: I would probably write a very long like four to five thousand word letter (laughs) that I would post on the door of the refrigerator and it would be titled A Manifesto in Re the Milk and I would write basically a defense of why I'm choosing to open the Mm -hmm. milk. Mm -hmm. Like I'm concerned that this cow's work will be for naught. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah many will no many well no one many think of animals the labor that people. was involved
0: in the creation of this yeah. good.
1: Yeah. This was not this is not a, a values neutral thing. Like we are full, we are graduate students, we must explore the nature of of this of this philosophical conundrum.
0: Yeah, it's a great opportunity to use words like hermeneutics
1: and ontological. Yeah, I mean I really I do love hermeneutics work. Uh, Mr. Nudix is really great uh, <laughs> at philosophy. I probably wrote
0: ontological in six or seven different college papers, <laughs> and I still do not know for sure what it means.
1: Isn't that like the study of the study of
0: studies? It's the study of knowledge. It's knowledge about knowledge. And I've certainly had philosophy graduate students explain the mm-hmm. word ontological to me on thousands of occasions, but I I don't know that I really get it.
1: Uh, Well, I definitely don't know anything about hermeneutic. Yeah, I mean, I I would be hard-pressed to (laughs) offer you a definition of hermeneutics. It's the branch of knowledge that deals with interpretation, especially of the Bible or literary texts yeah I mean you'd
0: think that would be one that I know since I was an English and religion major again I'm sure I've used it I also think there should be a better word for that why is who is Herman why don't yeah for instance one word could be interpretation
1: (laughs) or analysis Uh, it's the theory and methodology of interpretation all right we got a toughie, John. This uh, is from Luke who asks, Dear Hank and John, which side of the paperclip faces the, the stack of the paper? The small side mm. or the slightly bigger side? Mm. I'm using paperclips for the first time as they are mostly irrelevant because it's 2019 and I want to ensure that my paper stacks have the most professional look. No, you're not my father, Luke. This is this is a great question that makes me feel super old because <laughs> I
0: only just now when reading Luke's question realized that like young people must look at paper clips and be like what is this other than like a a convenient way of expressing how much a gram weighs.
1: Right, or like that that uh, meme about the Microsoft Helper clippy. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. They, they probably look at a paperclip and they think, I can't believe they made a real-life version of that stupid <laughs> Microsoft Helper. Why would they do that? It doesn't make any sense.
1: <laughs> it doesn't even have the face on it. Right. It's not even a proper toy. This a, is a really
0: low-quality reproduction <laughs> of... Windows two thousands Microsoft Assistant. The answer, I, I mean, I actually feel pretty strongly about the answer, yeah. and I think that I'm right, but I don't know why that I'm right. The Correct. answer is that the longer side of the paperclip is on top.
1: Yep. And I think but this I is no purely aesthetic. I think this is a purely aesthetic choice. I don't think that it affects the uh, ability of the paperclip to clip paper. I think, but yeah. I have never seen it the other way. And if it was done the other way, I'd be like, that seems wrong. Who did this? Right. I would be like, "Ugh, millennials. <laughs> they don't even know how to aesthetically clip paper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like what a dumb thing that we all just internalized together. But I actually, like I went and looked at stuff I've gotten from my accountant recently, who's yeah. the only person in my life who still uses paper clips, mm-hmm. And I was like, every single time, the longer side is on the top. Yeah. Yeah,
1: hey, if you handle if you clip papers professionally, if that's part yeah. of your job, yeah. write us let us know if you feel as there is any actual benefit to clipping the way that we clip or if this is purely aesthetic. Yeah, I'd be fascinated to know. This next
0: question comes from Naseem who writes Dear John and Hank, since there's helium in the air, does that mean that our actual voices are really deeper, and in our atmosphere, we're just always <laughs> slightly talking like we took a breath from a helium balloon? <laughs> Th- thanks, Nasim. Uh, there <laughs> this is, is the best helium. Question we've ever received because the- a, I have no idea what the answer is, and b, my immediate assumption was probably. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so first, I like you gotta you gotta say all right is that in that case if it's tr- if it's true is it actually like what's the natural state right
0: right because right. like well no the natural state is the current state obviously but what i'm what i'm asking Hank is if i go to one of those fancy oxygen bars in las vegas and mm-hmm. i have and i like you know drink pure oxygen for, for four minutes for $85, and I have, does my voice start to be deeper just for a few minutes because of all that pure oxygen I just
1: had? Uh, so, he, the helium in the... Well, to be clear, it's not just the helium. It's all of the gases are affecting the density of the air, and the density of the air is the thing that matters. So, if you do pure oxygen, I don't know whether pure oxygen is heavier than pure nitrogen. I should. I bet if I thought about it, oxygen is... Eight and nitrogen is six. What you got to realize is this isn't just about the density of helium. Like all gases do this affect the tone of our voice and so like we are used to hearing mm. our voices at the density of of like you know the air, like the the particles in our air, which is almost entirely nitrogen and oxygen, mm-hmm. um, and so if you breathed in air that was like a a heavy gas, like a heavier gas. All of them are poisonous, unfortunately. So it would be hard to do it. Um, sure. So uh, except for the except for the uh, except for the noble gases, like so. So if you breathed in pure argon, your voice would actually be lower than it is. Mm-hmm. Or pure krypton, which you probably wouldn't want to do. Uh, or pure radon, Not based which on you, my reading of Superman. Uh, actually, I think it'd be fine to breathe in pure krypton. It would just be expensive. But you definitely wouldn't <laughs> want to breathe in pure radon, because um, that would. Give you lots of cancer. Yeah, no, I got it. I I can picture it. Um, so the uh, the the mix that we have now is lightened a little bit by helium. And so if the helium was removed, per, I guess our voices would be point zero zero. I looked this up: zero five two four percent deeper, or divided by the actual amount that helium deep uh, lightens your voice, heightens your voice.
0: Nassim, the answer to your question is yes, at least <laughs> according to Hank's marginally educated guess. I went to several different Wikipedia pages. <laughs> Hank has scanned four Wikipedia pages, this so you can trust him. It's not a single him. source.
1: It's is multiple Wikipedia pages. <laughs> I've
0: done my lateral reading. I did it while answering the question.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, this next question comes from Caitlin. Caitlin's got a question. Dear Hank and John, whenever I write an email on my phone, it has an automatic signature of sent from my phone. Why is it important to everyone that they know that I sent it from my phone? Squash and seagulls, Caitlin, sent from my iPhone. Caitlin, you Mm -hmm. have
0: to imagine the distant, hazy past to understand this. In 2007. Like, it's, it's a world with paper clips. <laughs> <laughs> so many people were taking pieces of paper and connecting them to other pieces of paper with, with paper clips, Caitlin. Things were just vastly different. But in 2007 and 2008, when people first got iPhones, And when you would receive an email, inevitably on your desktop or laptop computer, that came from an iPhone, the message sent from my iPhone served two purposes. The first purpose was to make sure that everyone understood that the person who'd sent the message was a fancy person, a person who could afford a (laughs) fancy phone. And the second purpose was to make you want to become a fancy person who Hmm. can write things like sent from my iPhone at the bottom of their emails. However, if you're anything like me, you were able to kind of like see the matrix and hack it by just writing sent from my iPhone at the bottom of all your emails. (laughs) And people would be like, gosh, this guy really wrote a long email considering the poor quality of 2007
1: iPhone keyboards.
0: But I'd be like, yeah, I did.
1: Yeah, no, I am. Uh, I am a very good iPhone typer. It is one of my many skills that you can find on my in my resume that you have to get me to mail to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. Unfortunately, I don't have a digital version at the moment.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, it definitely. It was partially. It's an. It's an advertisement. Like this is the reason apple says it's so that people will know they will excuse you for writing a shorter email or having the typos because it's from from a phone in reality apple was like we can use that excuse and be like advertise the fact that people are sending emails from phones
0: yeah yeah it did feel like a miracle though but like all miracles it was a miracle that uh turned out to be more complicated than we initially Mm -hmm. understood All right. This next question comes from Adnan, who asks, Dear John and Hank, this year I've been going to a private school, and so far my experience has been great. The problem is that my brother and his friends have told me you're not acting like you're black, and this school has whitewashed you. What can I Hmm. do about this? From a rad man, call me Adnan. I guess I might have said your (laughs) name wrong at the beginning, but thank you for the – what is that called, Hank? Is that a mnemonic? Very
1: good pronunciation guide. A A mnemonic device? Is that what they are called? I don't know that that is a mnemonic. Maybe it is. It's sure. all hermeneutics to me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I need that shirt. <laughs> oh,
0: that actually is a pretty good idea for a shirt. It's all It's all her. I'm going to press that out later in the podcast, definitely. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I'm glad that you've got a new, new project to work on. <laughs> Adnan, I, the first thing I'd recommend is that you... Uh, talk to people who might be in a similar situation
1: yeah like you definitely came your... to the right place we're experts on this topic well we're not experts
0: on the topic but i yeah i, I still yeah. think it's important I, I would talk to uh friends you might have at school who are in similar situations i also one thing i can do is recommend a couple books that's usually what i do uh in my <laughs> life when people have problems um uh-huh. i, I uh, the Hate You Give is one book in which uh, the young woman who's the ce- at the center of that book is attending a private school and there's, you know, a lot of like tension and complication between her life at school and her life at home. Another book that tells a story partly from a similar perspective is If You Come Softly by Jacqueline Woodson, which is also just a. Beautiful book. So is the Hate You Give. You can't go wrong with either of those books, um, and and maybe there might be some clarity for you in reading about people who've been in similar situations, even if they're fictional characters. I know sometimes that works for me. Uh, so those were my two pieces of advice.
1: Yeah, I think there's also like there there are people who are, you know, public or semi-public figures who have gone through similar situations and in a world where like not like this isn't that common of a, of an experience you right. might find that there is a, a fair amount of like people will be willing to um to to hear you out to th- to help you think through this who you might otherwise think like that person wa- isn't going to talk to me they have like 100,000 followers on Twitter but like it's a hard thing to navigate and it can be very difficult to ask people
0: to be more empathetic to you, but Mm -hmm. I think that's part of what needs
1: to happen with your friends and with your brother. This next question comes from Emily, who asks, dear Hank and John, my fiance just accepted a new job in a different state. This is great because it's his dream job. It's where we've always planned to end up, but now I'm facing the issue of leaving my job. My only problem is that they've already allowed me to work from home during one move, which was very nice of them, so I don't have a good excuse for, like, Moving. I've never had to quit a job before, but now it's time for me to move on and start my long-term career. Brothers, how do you quit a job? Not very blunt, Emily. I I have quit exactly one job, which was also the only
0: job I ever had. Um, At least it wasn't like a temporary summer kind of job. Yeah. And it was really hard. It was a similar situation. Sarah had gotten into graduate school in New York, which meant that we had to move because we had just gotten engaged. And I knew that it was kind of time to leave Booklist because I wanted to try to make a go of it as a freelancer to see if I could you know, make a full-time job out of writing. And it was really, really difficult. That said, uh, if you like your job and if the people you've worked with at your job have been cool people, they will understand why you're leaving and that it and that you feel like it's time to move on to something that's going to be a little more career oriented or more career oriented for you. And it'll be an awkward day, but it's just one day.
1: Yeah. And in my experience, having both quit and also been having the person come into my office and tell me that they're leaving, um, it you know it's it's very helpful to know sort of like where it's all coming from and also to to know like okay so you can speak freely now like tell me what you liked and didn't like and what you think we could do better and uh yeah like that that can be a really helpful time if you're interested in being um you know letting that support like to to have that transitional time be it be an opportunity to put all the cards on the table and uh You know, have everybody coming out learning stuff.
0: Yeah, it's definitely bittersweet. But I personally feel happy for people when they Mm -hmm. leave complexly because they usually leave because they're going on to do things that they want to do, things that they find interesting. And, uh, you know, there's a sadness in that for us, for sure. But I also, you know, I want people to be able to grow. And, yeah, so it's easy to, like, make a big deal of these things in your head. I mean, I know that from experience, but I think in reality, it will be better than you think it will be. All right, Hank, we got a question from Meredith who writes, Dear John and Hank, how does viewership on YouTube compare to TV or Netflix or Hulu or whatever? I only really know how to contextualize view and subscriber counts within the framework of YouTube. I know ads Mm -hmm. run for less time and generally produce less revenue, but like, why? (laughs) (laughs) It's such a weird thing. It's such a great question, though, because the answer to like why is basically because it's always been that way and also
1: because we don't really know. I mean, so this is a thing that I know too much about. I like there's a lot of complexity to that question. But like basement information is like I was shocked when I discovered that like the most viewed cable news shows get around 3 million views an episode. And of course, those are concurrent views. Those are views as it's happening, which is like, it's basically a live stream view if you're going to talk about it in internet terms. And like, that's like, it's weird for a live stream to have 3 million views. But like, they don't tend to rebroadcast those things. They might take a segment of it and re-upload it to the internet now, but, no, but it's really on amazing demand to me. A lot that- of times, so actually, these days they're not counting concurrent
0: views. They're often counting like views within forty-eight hours or views within a week or something, which is yeah. not totally dissimilar to how YouTube views get counted. I think that we don't know a lot about how many people are watching Netflix or Hulu shows. Oh, yeah, that's a Netflix total mystery. Netflix and Hulu guard that information very jealously. We also don't know that much about how many people are actually watching cable shows, because a lot of it is based on estimates, less of it mm-hmm. now than it used to be, but still a lot of it. Um, and there are a lot more advertisements, you know, per minute of content on television, certainly, than there are on YouTube. There's about eight minutes of advertisements for every 22 minutes of content. If you did that on YouTube, nobody would watch your video. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. It's yeah, the equivalent of exodus. having, uh, you know, <clears throat> two two ads... During every Vlogbrothers video, it would be it would be
1: ludicrous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> during a four minute video. Um, yeah, I, 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 and I can't like. And the only reason people put up with that is because like it increased very slowly over a long period of time, and also they're more in a sort of a relaxed state. Yeah, where you know like the ad breaks come comes on, and I don't know what people do. I haven't watched TV in ten years, and uh, and then like why it's so it is actually less valuable. It's not just that like there's fewer ads. They impact people less when yep. you are watching YouTube. And what that's about is uh, an area of open study. And, um, and it kind of creeps me out that it is. And that like, we have this way of like, we have like an entire sort of industry of science devoted to influencing humans with paid, uh, time um, I don't know increased me out it's weird. Of course of course my business is largely based on advertising so um, I was gonna say we're not yeah, that opposed to it I'm not uh, necessarily necessarily opposed to it but it is like it is something that like I like to look in the face of it and be like you are weird. I want yeah. to admit that you are weird. oh yeah. Yeah, it's weird. We've also got a personal Project for Awesome message from Susan Fish from Vancouver. Thank you to all of the Adult Nerdfighters Facebook group for being such a strong community. I've made so many friends, and the support and kindness I see in the group every day is awesome. Extra shout-out to Emma K, M, M, Kit, Eileen, and her Mootron of Honor, Jen, Keely, Leo, and the Narwhal. Oh, that makes me so happy. Thank you, Susan. It's good
0: to know that there are happy, productive places on Facebook in my absence.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it. So it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it. And it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee, And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. <laughs> Go to ThriveMarket.com slash DearHank for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash DearHank, ThriveMarket.com slash DearHank. Sorry we're not around. Uh, We don't know how to use that platform. This next question comes from Andrea, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I bought a house recently, chickens included. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's not what how a, terrible a house works deal. andrea
0: is there any way, andrea can you go back in time and buy the same
1: house but sans chickens yeah chickens not included that's that's how houses work uh okay andrea continues they're that's lovely we, most of the time. house we got a couch which is similar <laughs> the chickens are lovely most of the time however if I leave the door open for any period of time they race inside and poop on the carpet (laughs) I can't even leave the door open while getting groceries out of the car how do I keep out the chickens pumpkins and penguins Andrea and chickens Uh, first of all come on chickens like be a good like come in and be like I'm gonna chill here for a second not immediately take a dump I don't agree with you I do not think the chickens
0: are at fault in this situation. (laughs) I think these chickens need a home. Well, I assume they have some place to poop. Well, I mean, there's free-range chickens, and then there's free-range chickens, right? Like, I'm all in favor of chickens having a great chicken life, but I don't want them to have access to my house. So you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to build a screened-in porch that's sort of an airlock between you Mm, and the chickens in the house... Or you're going to build a chicken coop with a lot of room to run, but no access to the house.
1: Right. You could alternatively find a new home for the chickens, seeing as you did not really sign up for this. Right. Yeah. These
0: aren't your chickens deep down. (laughs) Right. Like these are adopted chickens that came with a house. So I think you could lots of people love lots of people love chickens. In fact, uh, let me tell you, all of my flippin' neighbors do. <laughs> <laughs> I asked one of my neighbors recently. I was like, "Listen, I get why
1: you have chickens. Why
0: do you have roosters?
1: <laughs> they are loud. It's so, because they get born, and you don't want to kill them because it seems quite mean." Oh, so loud, so loud. Uh, How does the real estate agent conversation go when they're like, congratulations, you got the house, also chickens! Well, I assume that it must have
0: been in the inspection report, right? Like, the inspector of the house must have been like, property is in good condition, heads up, chickens.
1: I guess... But I like, think that doesn't mean have. that they're going to be there still. There are yeah. oftentimes lots of
0: things that get taken away. I remember when we bought our first house, Sarah was like, one, the only condition of this sale is you got to get rid of that playground. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I do not want yeah, you... a huge child-friendly playground in my backyard. And two years later, we were like, welp.
1: <laughs> that actually wouldn't have been so bad uh, but chickens mm, I, I mean, don't know I, 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 I love chickens but
0: yeah I I think you've got you've either got to make a good chicken goop situation or you've got to find some kind of protection because you can't have chickens I mean it's stressful to have chickens in the house I think can you yeah, train a they, chicken so that they poop in a litter box like a cat because I feel like people have pet chickens
1: Maybe they wear diapers, chicken diapers. I'm I, think I, Google, I think I've seen a picture of a chicken in a diaper. I'm
0: Google indoor chicken. Oh, there's indoor chicken coop. Um, that I'm not interested in. Raising an indoor pet chicken. That's exactly what I want to read about. Thanks, Google. God,
1: what a great service. I <laughs> <laughs> recently uh, watched a chicken poop. Um I was sort of at the hind end of it and it was ele- elevated so that we were roughly at eye level with each other and the mm-hmm. chicken pooped and so most I've seen lots of bird poop and it's it's from bird sized birds and we forget that chickens are monster birds they're huge Yeah, they're very very big and they have correspondingly giant turds and yeah. when this when this poop came out I was like that chicken is laying an egg And then it was a poop. That's how big it was. It was the size. It was as if it was laying an egg. I was, and then the smell hit me immediately. It is not a good situation. I did not realize how significant a turd that bird makes. Can I read you a paragraph from the
0: article Raising an Indoor Pet Chicken? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, please (laughs) do. It's it's one of the best paragraphs I've ever read in my entire life. Our indoor pet chicken was unexpected, and I kept her in the house longer than necessary for several reasons that ended up bringing out the protective mama hen in me. I was willing to put up with a house chicken a lot longer than my spouse was. (laughs) But as marriage is a series of
1: compromises,
0: (laughs) at six months I started the transition of our pet chicken Charlie to our outdoor chicken coop. Oh my God. As marriage is a series of compromises, (laughs) let me submit, author, that the spouse in question made some amazing compromises to get to six months.
1: Yeah, it feels like we worked together on that one. And I'm glad that we all came out of it understanding the situation.
0: Oh, as marriage is a series of compromises is my new
1: favorite dependent clause. It's all hermeneutics to me. This next one comes from Emma who asks, Dear Hank and John, I went to a poetry reading for the first time this week. uh, There was one poem in particular that I found very moving. It was a beautiful and emotional poem about a very heavy subject. Afterward, I wanted to tell the poet that I liked their poem very much, but that did not feel like the right thing to say. The poem was about such a serious topic and I could tell that it was very personal and emotional for the poet. So I felt wrong saying that I liked it. What should I say instead to let the poet know that I found their piece to be meaningful, Emma? I'd say I liked it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, people. Right. When people, people know people Sometimes what that say to means. me about Turtles All the Way Down, like uh, that it was like a, you know, that that they liked the book, and then they then they get nervous and they say, well, uh, you know, like I, I I I didn't mean that I like like liked the, the 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 you know, the kid you know suffering stuck inside her own head. And I and I always think like, oh well, no, but that doesn't mean you don't like the book. Like I I I'm grateful when people like my stories and I I I understand what the stories are about, right? Like I understand that The Fault in Our Stars is sad and when people tell me that it's sad, I'm not surprised. Uh and yeah. so I think like the poet probably knows that their work um they know what they know what their work's about they know they know that it was a tough read but that you know you still want to it's still really really nice to hear like that was great that was really meaningful to me anything like that I think like we process all compliments pretty much identically which is to say like like 90 percent of them bounce off of us and like Mm -hmm. 10 percent make their way in and Mm -hmm. I don't think that you can like craft a compliment that does a better job than that at least in my experience.
1: Yeah, I I have a hard time complimenting people in situations where there is there like that's my first interaction with them. Yeah. Like I had a pastry this morning and I wanted to like I wanted to tell the person who made the pastry like what the, how they had made my day better because it was so good and I'm so glad that the person who was able to make this Rugula lives in Missoula, Montana. But one, I didn't really know how to find them because there were a number of people and maybe that person wasn't there anymore. Right. And two, like, I just was like, ah, this is not normal. People don't do this. Yeah.
0: Compliments to the chef. Right. It's a little bit It's a little bit too intense sometimes, right? Like, it's a fine line between, like, I really like that rugula and, like, who made this rugula? I must speak to them. (laughs) And then you look them very deeply in the eyes and you're like, this was a very special rugula and it changed my life. And I would buy 500,000 of these rugulas except that marriage
1: is a series of compromises and my spouse (laughs) says that I can't. I mean, Catherine liked it a lot, too. We shared it. It was so good. I'm thinking about it right now, and it's distracting. Podcast brought to you by Black Cat Bakery in Missoula, Montana. Oh,
0: man. I I knew that you were going to say the name of the place because, like, I want to love
1: anything as much as you love Missoula. (laughs) I really like that uh, That it like I keep finding things that I like about this town.
0: All right, Hank, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I just need to really quickly answer one question. It comes from Caitlin. She writes, Dear John and Hank, whenever I go to the omnipresent 99-cent pizza joints in New York City, they take my mm-hmm. dollar in payment without ever offering the penny back. What's happening to all these pennies? Are they just counted as tips? It's actually $1 pizza, and they're just guilty of false advertising. Any dubious insights are appreciated. Slices and cents, Caitlin. Caitlin. Caitlin, you what are do you want a penny blessed penny yeah. not to have to deal with penny. that penny. And Ooh, you should pennies. be grateful mm-hmm. and you should be glad. And that is the end of my answer. <laughs> Hank, the last time we potted together, it was very, mm-hmm. very long ago. It was a while. Since we last recorded a podcast together, the most amazing thing has happened or should yeah, i say well uh, terrifying. the most amazing series of things
1: i mean it's just like why create all of this tension i don't need
0: it oh afc wimbledon america's favorite third tier soccer team absolutely dead in the water 2 months ago uh huh even a month ago i mean absolutely we were not just in last place we were so far away from being in second to last place that we could win two straight games and still be in last place. It seemed obvious that AFC Wimbledon was going to be relegated. I visited uh, the stadium to see the FA Cup game against Millwall, which we lost. And of course the mood, I mean, to say that it was dark would be an understatement. Everybody was talking about how you know, sometimes you just need to get relegated and and rebuild and 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 see, you know, what you can make of it and and, and so on. Except, except uh-huh. their next game against uh-huh. Rochdale, they won four to three in mm-hmm. m- miraculous fashion uh, with a ninety fifth minute penalty, essentially yeah. the last kick of the game. Joe Piggott secured his hat trick. We won that game four to three. Then we went to Charlton, one of the best teams in the League One. We lost that game. Then we tied Shrewsbury. And since then, AFC Wimbledon have rattled off three straight victories, beating Doncaster, Peterborough, and most recently, South End United. And suddenly, I mean, just for a little bit of context. In our first 31 games, we won six. In our most recent seven games, we've won five. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> how? oh my god how what is nobody happening? knows so one thing that's been helpful is that in two of those uh wins uh there were red cards uh for um uh for our opponents that was useful joe pickett has started scoring quite a lot of goals which is a a wonderful surprise. And AFC Wimbledon, (laughs) I mean, truly, I I had nearly given up hope, Hank, and I, I am known for holding on to hope way too long. Like, it's one of my defining character features, but still, I was like, you know, sometimes you get relegated, that's life. Suddenly, AFC Wimbledon, with eight games left to go in the League One season are in 22nd place, Hank. Still in the relegation zone, no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. But no longer in last. We haven't not been in last
1: in like six months. Yeah. So the way that I approach sports, I would rather have no chance than have a slim chance.
0: Oh, I want to have a chance. We're only three points away from being in 20th place, which w- which is the last spot to not be relegated. If you look at the last 20 years of League One history, 52 or 51 points are usually what's necessary to stay up. Right now, mm-hmm. AFC Wimbledon, after 38 games, has 39 points. That means we probably need to win four of our last eight games now mm-hmm. that will be difficult. I'll remind you. We've only won eleven games all season. But
1: I mean <laughs> the dream is alive. <laughs> <laughs> well good. I'm happy for you. Um the news from Mars is bad. So that's apparently we need more bad Mars news for you guys because we can't. Oh, I can't mean if you could just deliver me news. with like
0: four to six weeks of really, really bad Mars news, that would be super helpful because of our eight remaining games, six of them are against teams that are almost as bad as us. Oh
1: wow, that's great! So, that's good news. So the kinds of teams that could get pushed down on the table while you get pushed up.
0: Exactly the kinds and also the kind of teams, that teams that if you we can we win four games, w- might yeah. go down in lieu of us going down. The dream is mm-hmm. alive. I suddenly I've cleared my calendar for May fourth in case I need to make a last second trip to the stadium. Uh, in case we've we, our survival's oh on the line on the last day. Oh god, That's I'm terrifying. sweating just thinking about it. My palms just like I, my palms just erupted
1: uh all right i, I mean, guess my that got haven't left been in the podcast since
0: i watched alex
1: honnold <laughs> climb uh el capitan oh in God. free solo without without a rope <laughs> also something that i did not subject myself to no thank you i was watching a uh <sighs> i was watching like
0: a youtube video about that movie and somebody commented that um that their free solo was watching free solo. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the highest risk I allow myself to make. <laughs> and somebody else commented that they needed one of those chalk bags just to hold their <laughs> phone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so uh, the Mars Insight lander has been on the surface of Mars for 100 days now. I know that seems amazing that it's been wow. there that long yeah um and the seismometer is in place and operating well but there is also that little drill gopher thing that yeah. was the goal is to like get a heat probe 15 feet below the surface of mars to study the uh, movement of heat in the interior of the planet which will tell us lots about what mars is made of uh, it got a foot down and it stopped going down oh no and the way that since this is all like just data that we're getting from this thing like we can't di- observe it directly this could mean a number of different things the most likely one is that it hit something hard um it <laughs> can't go through it, it. it. it just and got like, unlucky and like landed near a rock yeah it hit a rock or like a layer of like like tightly packed gravel even mm. um and so so it's it stopped after four hours, and it like every subsequent attempt to make it go further has not succeeded. Um, there are a couple of potential plans for what to do about this because it you know, this is a little bit of information that we got, but like this it would be a huge uh like loss of science to not have this thing keep going, but um what? the suggestions are one if it's not too big of a rock that it hit we could just keep hammering on it and maybe it'll break maybe we'll push it to the side Mm -hmm. it could be a pretty big it could be fairly big rock that we could push to the side Mm -hmm. probably not in like your mind if i said fairly big rock not that size but as we are guessing at what size rocks are in the like in the regolith there you know this like it would have to be like a you know about the size of maybe a flash card. You could push that to the side. Um, what uh, if that doesn't work? Or in addition to that, when this thing hammers, there's a recoil, and so like it hits and then it bounces up a little bit. What they're thinking about maybe doing is putting so there's this robotic like crane arm on Insight that that put these instruments onto the surface, taking the crane arm and putting it like just push like putting it on top of this hammer so that when it recoils it doesn't. It, it's not able to recoil it just mm. goes down. It's like mm-hmm. adding a little extra force mm-hmm. by taking this robotic arm and like pushing down on yeah. the hammer I basically. Love it. I love um, it. So that is being attempted with a model on Earth right now to try and figure out if that will work if, or if there's a chance that will break the arm. If you break the arm that also decreases the ability of insight to do cool stuff um, but Maybe maybe it's worth it. Uh, so it's a bummer, and uh, and I really hope that they are able to solve this problem. But there was some thought early on that they might actually be able to retract the hammer and move it to yeah. a different spot. That was doesn't my suggestion. Like, doesn't look like now that it's, it's as deep as it is that they can still do that, unfortunately. Oh, so it's like too deep to retract, yeah. but not mm-hmm.
0: deep enough to tell us what the core of Mars is like. Correct oh that's such a bummer I mean imagine yeah, I all of the like work I don't want to make it worse Hank but I imagine all the work that goes into that moment and then you just happen to land like like seven feet in the wrong place, you know, like it's just dumb luck. It's just a little rock. If you were seven feet over there, you could go all the way to the center of Mars or something. But because of this, like (laughs) now we can only go a foot deep.
1: And like, it's somewhat comforting to know that there's like other good science being done on InSight and that it landed safely and that it's gotten a lot of good data already, has a two year long mission where it will continue uh, collecting data. But also, the people who are on the seismometer team are different from the people who are on the drill team right and so they're all looking at their colleagues being like well i'm glad your thing's going well oh yeah that's <laughs> always so awkward
0: <laughs> like I've, I've experienced versions of that not that exact <clears throat> yep. one yep but yeah it's such a bummer when it's like oh yeah no i'm oh, that's great congratulations mm-hmm. on your mm-hmm. seismometer that's so wonderful so happy for
1: you we also have one response from nicole and rebecca to me and Catherine's episode about the uh the gatlinburg tennessee salt and pepper shaker museum yeah so we had a question from someone who kept getting novelty salt and pepper shakers maybe they want them in gatlinburg probably not but maybe they seem to have plenty already From the picture that we will share on the Patreon. That's a lot of freaking salt and pepper shakers. Wow. Yeah.
0: Uh, We'll share it on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Dear Hank and John, where we are off now to record our uh, hit podcast this week in Ryan's. This
1: This weekend <laughs> rants.
0: You can check it out at patreon.com slash dear Hank and John. Uh, thank you all for listening. Hank, thank you for potting with me.
1: Absolutely. This podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins. It's produced by Rosian Hals Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our head of community and communications is Victoria Bongiorno. This music that you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be you. awesome.